And welcome to The Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. When we've watched all of the movies nominated in a certain year, we will tell you if the Academy chose correctly and why. I'm Susan Raslin. I'm David Daw. And this week we are continuing the 1934 nominees with the Jimmy Cagney star vehicle, here comes the Navy, also known as Hey Sailor. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Hey Blackface Sequence, because that's certainly how I know it. Well, actually, what I find really funny is that you hated this movie even before that part. Oh, God. Yeah, no, it's a terrible movie. It's garbage. The most intriguing thing about this film is that the boat they're on for the entire time got sunk at Pearl Harbor. That's the most interesting thing. And it doesn't happen until six years after the movie was made. That was an accident. Yeah. It's not like they planned that. Um, Or did they? Hit me up, conspiracy theorists. I find it really fascinating that in the Wikipedia description of this movie, there's no mention of the horrifically offensive blackface moment. Oh, I thought you were going to say of the, the them being on the USS Arizona all the time. Do they not mention that? I thought that they did. Uh, they don't make a huge deal about it. They do reference that it was sunk by the Japanese on December 7th, 1941 at Pearl Harbor. So this movie... Oh, this movie. So this movie is really... <laughs> It's kind of a romantic comedy, yet it is set in this hyper-masculine world, which in and of itself is a a really strange quality to this movie. I hated this movie so much because of, like, because of that. The premise of the movie is this dumb shit fucking toxic masculinity pissing contest between these two motherfucking assholes. (laughs) And the movie spends the entire movie going, no, 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 that's fine. The problem is it's getting in the way of them being loyal to the Navy. And I'm like, what the fuck is that moral? (laughs) I think that you have just entirely lost your battle against swearing in like... One and a half minutes. Oh God, was I still doing that? Because um, I'm sure, I'm sure not doing that for this movie. I'm sure not keeping it up for friggin' a movie that forgets it's a comedy halfway in because it's just gotta do a blackface sequence, and then after that is just never even trying to be funny for the last. 40 minutes of the film. Yeah, so the plot of this movie, and I feel like I could really nutshell it very quickly without going into details, which we can then talk about afterward. Jimmy Cagney plays this guy, Chesty O'Connor, who joins the Navy along with his best friend, whose name is Droopy, specifically to annoy an officer whose name is Biff, which... Is, has there ever been anyone in a film named Biff who wasn't the worst? No, and that's why it's so weird that this movie genuinely doesn't want to present him as the worst. <laughs> right, then why name him Biff? Anyway, Chesty falls in love, I guess, with Biff's sister, Dorothy, who... Also, fun- oh, sorry, also out of spite. Oh, yeah. A- oh. At least at... <laughs> <laughs> yes. At least at the beginning. Right. Played by Gloria Stewart, who is the old woman in Titanic, 
weirdly enough. So we will see her again, but not for a really, 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 really long time. Chesty hates being in the Navy. Uh, he also hates Biff. They get into a bunch of silly fights. Chesty gets the Navy Cross essentially for pouring gunpowder onto some fire and then putting it out. <laughs> yeah. And then Biff somehow gets caught hanging from a rope off of an airship and Chesty goes and saves him. Even though they hate each other, then Chesty and Dorothy get married and Chesty gets, he gets promoted to bosun and now he outranks Biff who has to call him sir. The end. And somehow that lasts an hour and a half. Yeah. I mean, the movie is, it is basically a totally normal romantic comedy plot, except that instead of the antagonism being between boy and girl, the antagonism is between boy and girl's brother. <laughs> yeah, though also it's like Dorothy, the sister, as the sort of like conduit for for like the, the like middle ground in their conflict ends up coming off just fucking terribly. Just comes off as an awful person. Everyone in this movie is an awful person, as I texted you. Except for... Droopy. Droopy, Chesty's, like, buddy that just wants to get his mom some dentures. Everyone else, every other object, every institution, every place they go to, I hate. (laughs) Perhaps we should walk through why you hate every single one of these things. Uh, yeah, I mean, that'll take a while. First of all, our lead, Chesty O'Connor, is a miserable idiot and a total piece of shit <laughs> who signs himself up for the Navy out of spite, doesn't realize that comes with any kind of obligation, constantly just flips off superior officers, and there's effectively no consequence for that, except for that the guy who already didn't like him j- before he joined the Navy continues to not like him. At a certain point, and this is the this is the blackface moment. So once he decides that he actually likes Dorothy, I guess he has a date with her. But Biff is like, "No, you are not going to get any free time off of the ship. You have to do watch duty." Yeah, you have to do watch duty. So his way of getting off the ship is that he finds a black Navy man who, for the record, in no way looks like Jimmy Cagney, who is like five to seven inches taller than he is, who has like an oval shaped face, whereas James Cagney's is like round as a perfect sphere and has Droopy basically pay off this black not officer, but uh, are they called privates in the Navy? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, this other person who is like one of the low level people in the Navy to take his free time, his liberty, I think is what they call it. Yeah. And the way that he succeeds in this is Chesty does blackface. So that he can be mistaken for this other person whom he in no way looks anything like. But I guess because he painted his face black, they're like, oh, I I guess it's I guess it's the black guy who's definitely like 
half a foot taller than him and looks nothing like him. Yeah, and Biff, like, looks him straight in the eye and is like, nothing to see here, which is absurd. No one on Earth would be fooled by this. Mm-mm. And so it's... Uh, And it's such a lazy plan that it makes me believe that the director and the writer were just like, well, we got to put some blackface in there. Yeah, I it's I hate it so much. As I said, the lead up to it, the black sailor that they're paying off. Sailor, that's the word that I was looking for. Is portrayed. It's it's the most racist. Like, uh, we we've talked about like. Mammy stereotypes and other stereotypical, like, black characters from the early 20th century. And this is maybe the worst one we've ever seen. And that's your, like, warm-up to the blackface sequence, where in-universe, the, like, only explanation is that Biff, the character, is such a racist piece of shit that he doesn't look at black people for more than half a second. And yet it doesn't have any sort of indictment of that at all? Nope. It's not like, oh, well, it's that white officers can't tell the difference between black sailors, and it's like, no, that that's not there. That's not there to find. <sighs> anyway, he tries to sneak back onto the boat after... I just... It fails the screen test of time. Spoiler alert. So let's talk about the rest of this garbage fucking movie that also would have not gotten a very good grade, even if there weren't a blackface sequence that makes me immediately throw the whole thing in the garbage. Yes, let's do that. Uh, Oh, and the way that he gets back on the ship is Droopy tries to lie for him and is definitely not good at it. And he's like, oh yeah, he wasn't feeling well, so I took over for him. And then Jimmy Cagney has, I guess, like, fisherman or somebody take a boat out and then he just jumps in the water and is like help help man overboard he gets busted anyway and is supposed to have two weeks in the brig yet somehow during some sort of war game practice is not in the brig and they're stuffing bags of gunpowder into the guns which i guess is the way i guess that's like blanks for cannons yeah and then one of the bags opens and he spills all of it onto some fire that is randomly started and then puts it out and gets a medal and it's like yeah except if he hadn't been so careless the fire wouldn't have started in the first place Uh, there's so much like that where i that makes me fucking hate the navy There's so much stuff where this movie so clearly wants you to love the Navy. All the rank-and-file men on the boat are, like, so angry whenever Chesty shit-talks the Navy because they love it here. (laughs) It's it's fantastic. Yep. Um, And, like, every time Chesty tries to put one over on the Navy, it never works. They always see it coming because they're so great. Or is it because Chesty is just really bad at everything that he does? I mean, he is totally the, like, quintessential teenager who has so much disregard for anybody else that he assumes everyone is nowhere near as smart as he is and yet he is constantly busted for everything i i think there's two two problems with that interpretation one is that i actually thought his plan to sneak back onto the boat was a pretty good plan and it's only that like there's this extra boat you never saw before 
that's like, no, I totally saw him. He totally did it. That he gets caught. And two, the movie is constantly talking about how great Chesty is. Yeah, that's And how true. he'd be a great officer and a, and a great guy. And he's got so much talent. And uh, the Navy knows a good man when it sees him. But if he would just stop bucking authority so much. So, like, the movie thinks all of his plans are great. They just think, like, you can't beat the Navy. God, doesn't the sister actually, like, literally say that at one point? Is like, not you, not any man can beat the Navy. And I'm like, fuck this movie. <laughs> yes, she does, in fact, say that. And, like, that's the whole thing. Is like, you might be the greatest guy on Earth, and probably you are. But you're not the Navy. Nobody's the Navy. And it's fucking, fuck the Navy. Like, it's, I, which honestly, not in real life, but in this movie, it makes me hate the Navy so much. I'm no great fan of the military in general, but like, I do like, I do like sailors, so, you know, though I hate Fleet Week. <laughs> yes, which also, the villain of this movie is Fleet Week. Um, <laughs> the greatest. Which is, which is correct. <laughs> yes. Because if you live in New York and you've ever experienced Fleet Week, I, like, try not to leave my house during Fleet Week because there are just a bunch of men running around in sailor suits. So they look like overgrown little boys <laughs> offering the most offensive street harassment known to humankind. The villain of, of this movie is very specifically San Francisco Fleet Week, which has that. And also is a, like, small enough geographic area that if you live in San Francisco proper, you just have jets flying over your house every 20 minutes for a solid week. And then if you go outside, there's a bunch of assholes. Yeah, I don't think we have jets in New York, but, you know, it's still terrible. For some weird reason, they don't like aircraft flying low over New York City constantly anymore. Um... Oh, you're clicking. Oh, that actually was my pen. I'm so sorry. I, I'm so testy about this movie. Say that again. <laughs> uh, for some... Actually, you know what? I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep okay. it. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, the... Uh, the Navy comes off in its desperate attempt to look great, looking awful in this, because the, like, the whole point of his court-martial is that like Biff won this one because like Chesty was bad and Biff is only doing his duty. Except Biff wasn't only doing his duty. He was abusing his authority to fuck over Chesty so he couldn't go on a date with his sister. And the whole... And the movie's like, yeah, but he had the authority and so he's totally allowed to abuse it. That's true. Your problem was that you didn't have authority and tried to do something. <laughs> Which, by the way, at the end of the movie is also what he's rewarded for. Because he countermands a direct order to go down and rescue Biff. Well, yeah, he countermands a direct order to not do that right. by doing that. Yes. Just to clarify in case anyone was confused. Yeah, it's it's not an amazing movie. So Dorothy, or Dot, as <sighs> she is also known, why do you hate Dorothy? I mean, other than her saying, like, you can't beat the Navy. It's mostly that. It's actually, it's specifically the scene where Chesty has, like, gotten off the boat to come see her and is like, you know what, I'm just gonna leave because this, the whole situation's terrible. It's not for me. And all that ever happens is that your brother is a dick to me. And she just goes, oh, Chesty, I don't think I could ever love a deserter. You're a quitter. You're a coward. 
And it's like, no, he's not. He's got a really good reason to not want to be in the Navy anymore. Now, he didn't have a good reason to be in the Navy in the first place. And he's a fucking idiot to sign up for four years in the Navy and then go, now nah, I'm just going to leave. But like her reasoning for why that's bad isn't my dude, you signed up. You can't just leave the Navy. It's I don't think I could ever love a desert her. And it's like, well, I mean, fuck you a little bit then. <laughs> Here's the thing. Dot so clearly, like, loves the Navy more than she loves either Chesty or her brother. And I hate the Navy in this movie. That is weird. Like, is she a Navy brat? Was their dad, like, in the Navy? Why does she love the Navy so much? Yeah, she's just conveniently an orphan. She and Biff. And it's never really explained what the hell. She kind of blows hot and cold on Chesty, but also he kind of is hitting on her just to get back at her brother. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, but then she's like s- suddenly super duper hyper devoted to him, except whenever he decides he doesn't like the Navy even a little bit. She's like, I eh, don't love you anymore. And it's gar- it makes me hate her. It's a it's a garbage character trait in a person. It's not a great thing to be. I mean, if it were any other job, I think people would instantaneously go like, well, that's awful. If it was like, oh, I only loved you because you're a lawyer, people would be like, well, what's her problem? This movie is so bad. It This movie, I really, I just shut down about this movie. I like hated it so thoroughly. I would have walked out of the theater. And I probably would have done it before. I probably would have walked out of the theater and you would have gone, oh yeah, the blackface thing was really, and I would have gone, there was blackface in this movie? Because I would have walked out before then. (laughs) I don't know that I hated it that much before the blackface part. I mean, I didn't love it. Part of it too is that Jimmy Cagney looks a lot like an ex of mine. So I simultaneously found him attractive and also wanted to break his jaw Uh, But I think that's also just the Jimmy Cagney thing. I mean, a little bit, but also definitely in this movie, like, that's the intended read on Chesty. (laughs) I didn't have the former reaction, so I just was like, uh, what? But the problem is, this is like a rivalry between two men where you hate both of them. (laughs) And so, like, it's never satisfying when Chesty gets punched in the face, because it means Biff isn't getting punched in the face. Every moment one of them is getting dicked over, the other one is succeeding. And I don't want to see either of them succeed for a single moment of their godforsaken existences. I don't understand why Biff is portrayed as, like, being reasonable in this movie. Uh, Particularly because then when he has to be saved by Chesty, it's like, what is the comeuppance there? Because, like you said, Biff is is portrayed as being a good guy and we're not supposed to hate him, even though he is totally abusing his authority to keep this guy from his sister. So that's one of the things that I don't understand. It's It's a movie that is very authoritative. It's like everyone in authority is right. And it's like, uh, not automatically. That is the big problem, is that philosophically everyone in authority is supposed to be right. But actually everyone in authority is kind of a dick in this movie. And like that structurally is why I hate the Navy as portrayed in Here Comes the Navy. Because the entire point is authority is always right and the chain of command is a great way to live your life. Except it's totally not. Like it's, it's (laughs) in universe. People in authority continually make garbage decisions and abuse their authority. 
but they keep giving Chesty nonsensically second chances, and that's supposed to be why authority is great. But actually, that just plays as another terrible decision by people in authority. They should have actually full-on court-martialed the guy and kicked him out of the Navy. People keep saying, like, he has so much potential, but he never does anything in the entire movie that is, like, unequivocally good that not the next guy next to him couldn't have done super easily until he climbs down the rope and rescues Biff, which is four minutes before the film ends, maybe? It's a little bit more than that because the wedding is a little bit longer. Oh yeah, there's a lot lot of running joke payoff in the wedding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd forgotten. One of the things that really bothered me about the airship scene is Chesty goes down the rope with a parachute, but it's like slung under his butt and like not securely fastened to him at all. And I'm like, at what point does he get Biff to wrap around him and then secure the parachute which is like very nitpicky but it was really annoying to me (laughs) it's also just a dumb plan because it is like you could have talked to like two other guys and been like and then when we get down there start lifting the rope up (laughs) like once i have him secure Because the problem with lifting the rope up is that he's in a, like, precarious position. But once Chesty gets down there and is, like, secured Biff to himself, then also he's got this bonus parachute if plan A doesn't work. But, like, at least try to climb back up. And why did nobody just lift the rope up? Like I say, I think it's because Biff is very weakly holding on. And if you start jerking the rope around, he could fall off. Like, I get that. But once Chesty is down there, Chesty is secured to the rope and it has then secured Biff to him. So then they're stabilized and you can start pulling up the rope. And they just go like, nah, fuck that, we're jumping off. And then dramatically opening a parachute. (laughs) Literally for about, for like a second or two, when he jumped off the rope, I was like, oh, they die together. That's such a fitting ending for this film. (laughs) I like didn't process the parachute and thought the ending of this film was going to be like, well, at least we're both going to die. And I'm like, you know what? That, that fits. You're like, yeah, I'm fine with this situation because yes. both of these people suck. It was not a great movie. We should talk about Droopy, though. We we should, but I'm also, I'm just now reading that the Dirigible was also involved the next year after this film was made in a terrible accident that involved the loss of two crew and completely destroyed the airship. So, like, this film is just cursed. And you know what? Checks out. <laughs> It checks out that God has forsaken everything involved in the production of this film, except for Droopy. So let's talk Droopy. Yes, let's talk about Droopy. So Droopy is your, like, pretty stereotypical, not-so-bright sidekick. He is also the only person in this movie who deserves anything good in life. Yes, because his one actual desire as a character is to just get his aging, singing mother a set of dentures. That's it. That's all. The man joined the Navy just to get his mom some dentures and likes listening to music and then tattooing the lyrics of songs he likes onto himself so he doesn't forget them. Yes. But also, weirdly, I do have to say a thing about that that really weirded me out at the end of the film when he reveals the tattoos 
of the song from the running joke about how he can't remember the lyrics to this song. Those lyrics aren't readable by him as tattooed on his body. There's no way he could read them. No, they're for his mom to read as she's singing at the wedding. Sure, but as established by him earlier, his tattoo idea was he keeps forgetting the lyrics. And so he's going to get them tattooed so he doesn't forget them anymore. But then when he does get them tattooed, they're tattooed so his mom can remember the lyrics. At which point, just get the sheet music. And his mom is not a very good singer. No, that was the other surprising thing to me, is I thought the payoff to the dentures was going to be that, like, she is, like, a, a world-class singer, but just couldn't sing because of her- because no teeth. Because no teeth. Exactly. Great. I'm- so angry about this movie. Yes, because no teeth. I'm so angry I can't sentence anymore. Hey everybody, it's David again, here to ask you to like, subscribe, and review us on iTunes. All that stuff goes into the metric special sauce that Apple uses to determine what podcasts get promoted and shown to people. And that's how Serial got started. It was just that. A lot of people reviewed it, and then it was like, when's Serial Season 2? And, like, it'd be great if they did that for us. That's the only thing standing in our way. You guys like subscribing, reviewing. Also, in-depth reporting. And a big push from NPR. So... Uh, th- this is gonna be like the shortest one that we've ever done. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's that's totally fine. I mean, it's um. I feel like it's just not productive to go scene by scene through. Like, oh th- no, actually, let's take a short break for how much I hate Chesty's original girlfriend because she's just a garbage person. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, she is introduced giving him shit for renting a tuxedo for this fancy ball they're going to and spending his money on like a cup for everybody at the, I forget what like union he's in. But they have the Chesty O'Connor dance competition. Cause he's like given a whole bunch of money to, uh, like have the giant. You mean he, he's given a whole bunch of money? No, no, no. He used a whole bunch of his money for making the giant cup. That is the reward for the dance competition. Right, right, right. And his girlfriend is like, that's a stupid use of money. It's stupid you're wearing an outfit. You're stupid. And then she goes to the dance and flirts with every other dude at the (laughs) dance and then breaks up with him when he gets sucker punched because of her. Oh, and also tells him this immediately after he gets fired for missing two days of work. So then I hate his job. Because his job is full of garbage people. He gets super beat up at the dance competition and they like tear up his rented tuxedo. And his girlfriend's like, uh, maybe I should be dating the Navy officer that beat you up. And it's like, you're terrible. I love that she doesn't appear through the rest of the film. I thought when I sort of was getting accustomed to the setup that we were going to end with like both happy couples where Biff was dating chesty's girlfriend from the original from the the start of the film at the end of the film but instead the movie is like nah biff figured out she was garbage in like five seconds and just dropped her anyway like any scene you want to drill down into i will be like i hated everyone i hated everything about that the reason it's going to be short is that's just not productive podcasting is to just scene by scene go like Yeah, hated them too. I love Droopy, but I do hate the gift Droopy gives to Chesty when Chesty leaves for the, like, dirigible core or whatever. Right, the airship. It's unwieldy. It's got Droopy's face on it. 
It's it's just it's a terrible gift. It's it's like it's the stereotypical gift a mother-in-law gives a son in a sitcom because like they have to put it out all the time but also it's just terrible and doesn't go with anything. Well, you have to say what the gift is. Um it's a it's a life preserver <laughs> that can't be used as a life preserver because the center of it is filled in so that there can be a big picture of Droopy in the middle and then it says something stupid on the outside that isn't I don't even remember what it is. It has it says Droopy Mullins on it somewhere. But yeah, it's like one of those round lifesavers, not not like a life jacket yeah but yeah you couldn't you couldn't use it i guess depending on what it's filled in with you could like cling to it for dear life but i maybe but like you kind of need that you you need the grip you need to be able to kind of come up through the middle to grip it from the other side um or else the whole thing's like unstable and whatever this is uh i hate every per i hate every object i hate this movie I don't think I've hated any movie we've seen as much as I hate this movie. I didn't I didn't even hate In Old Arizona as much as I hate this movie. Wow. I think In Old Arizona is a worse movie than this movie, but I hated this one more. Wow. So I guess we should get to ranking it, but I'm pretty sure I know what your your score is going to be. Uh 2.522 2. 2. I, I- curious as to what makes it a two and not a one um you know i guess just in like i guess just that thing i just said about in old arizona being a worse movie but yeah no one it's just it it, like it is you can hear what people are saying so it's not in old arizona is the only reason i have to not give it a one yeah, there's a long blackface sequence. Everyone in it is terrible. It's not an effective comedy. The romance doesn't work. The only really effectively shot parts are the stock footage the Navy gave them. Like, it's a terrible fucking movie. Yeah, I'm gonna give this movie a one, because even though the blackface scene is a small percentage of the runtime, this movie is far and away the most racist movie that we've watched. It really, it's, the thing is, the actual blackface sequence is pretty short, but there's such a long wind-up to it, you really see that the blackface is coming from a while away. Yeah. Like, I I mean, two, like only like three or four minutes, but that's a long time to be like, oh, no, 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 not, it's not, they're not. And then they have like a, like, extra minute or two out on the dock for people to be mugging like is that dude in blackface oh what and not in a like not in a like the the blackface scene from mad men where everyone's like whoa black whoa it's everyone's just it's it is it is everyone's reaction is like can't believe that white boys in blackface and like yeah that's that makes it way worse and extends the amount of time You're stuck in this horrible thing. Right. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. Really, it's really, really bad. And it is definitely the most racist movie that we've seen. So I'm going to give it a one. Uh, And no, you should not watch this movie. Yeah, don't. Don't. It's literally the most fascinating thing about it is that the boat in it gets sunk at Pearl Harbor. Right. Which you now know. And so you don't need to watch this movie. Yeah. And you now know is maybe a little bit deserved. No. Okay. Cut that (laughs) one. Oh, God, I hate this movie so much, though. Not the people who died on it, but the boat itself may have been deserved. No, if the boat had been if the boat had been completely deserted when the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, 
if no one had died in the attack on Pearl Harbor and it just sunk a boat that was in this movie, completely <laughs> justified. That I will go on the record and say. All right. Fair enough. So next week, we are watching the second of three Claudette Colbert movies in this year. You know, that's... Dear Lord, I have just opened up the Wikipedia page, and apparently Claudette Colbert and Cleopatra is the, like, inspiration for Vampirella. She does look quite a bit like her, yes. (laughs) Um... The haircut is pretty much exactly Vampirella. And the top, if you want to be generous and call it that. Um... Yeah, so next week we will be watching Claudette Colbert in Cleopatra, directed by Cecil B. DeMille. All right. Which I have to say I'm actually kind of excited for. I mean, there's no way it's not a step up, which, oh God, I just cursed it. But there's like, but how could it? There's no way that it's not a step up from this movie. Yeah. There's also no way that it's not just like a hundred minutes of fan service. Oh yeah. Like, yes. We will be having a long discussion about sexism next week for sure. But like, at least we will go like, there were a lot of really good shots of the ridiculous outfits Cecil B. DeMille put Claudette Colbert in. And until, until then, I... <sighs> no, I'm not going to say it. You don't, you don't get, you don't get our catchphrase, here comes the Navy. I'm not going to give you the satisfaction. Fair enough. Of classifying you as the object you want me to say you are. That is entirely fair. We will see you next week, everyone.